0: Coming at you from historic New Brunswick, New Jersey, this is the Matt Ward History Experience. My name's Matt Ward and I'll be your tour guide today. On this episode, we will explore topics ranging from the impact of disease on American history to Civil War era politics in New Jersey with historian and author David Petriello. The Matt Ward History Experience is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. One Stone Recording and Mastering is online at onestonerecording.com. This segment of Let's Talk History with David Petriello was recorded on location at Kane University in Union, New Jersey. During this interview, we were able to discuss American history and David's books. Without further delay, here it is, Let's Talk History. Please introduce yourself to my listeners.
1: My name is David Petriello. Uh, I teach history at Cowell University and at Paquanica Township High School during the day.
0: What got you interested in the study of history?
1: Uh, good question. I majored in Asian Studies in college, and after I graduated, I actually went to work in Japan for about a year and a half. Uh, came back from Japan, and I quickly realized there wasn't much else you can do with Asian studies besides <laughs> teach history, basically, but I've always loved this subject, uh, and I just sort of have a knack for telling stories and explaining things, so um, I, I just like teaching history to people, and I like to see the reaction, and especially within a republic, it's, it's I always consider it to be the most important subject. I mean, you'll get through life without math, I get through every day usually without math, but uh, without actually knowing where you came from and where you're going, uh, history is that important subject, so I just always enjoy teaching it, and I still do today.
0: Cool. Your books cover a variety of historic topics ranging from Chinese military history to the impact of disease on American military history. How do you come up with a topic to research for a book? I usually look for something I'm interested in, something I don't
1: know about and something I want to find out more about. Um, and I usually combine that with questions just that arise every day inside the classroom. Uh, students ask good questions and hopefully most of the time I know the answer to it. But if not, it, it gets me thinking and I say, well, gee, what is the connection here? Maybe there's something deeper that I haven't noticed that I should investigate as well. And that kind of gives me a jumping off point for a lot of these books, especially the disease ones.
0: Cool. Who is Richard Mentor Johnson, and why is he an interesting character in American history?
1: Richard Mentor Johnson is probably the most corrupt, scandalous, and interesting vice president we've ever had. And probably the one that absolutely no one knows about. Yes, people name a vice president, maybe they name one or two. Uh, Most people know very few. No one knows Richard Mentor Johnson. Um, I was doing a research project on a completely unrelated topic at a point, and his name came up. And I said, well, let me read up a little more on this guy. And as I went through, and just the stories that were out there about him... And I said, okay, let me see if I can find a biography to find out more, and there's none existing on him. Now, it's not rare to not find a biography about a vice president, but I think he's only one of maybe two or three. But there's absolutely nothing written on the man except for some propaganda back when he was running in about the 1830s. So I quickly jumped in, pieced together some newspaper articles, did some research, and said, there's a book here. There's something that can be written about a very interesting man in history who's been kind of left out of the entire library of information.
0: Cool. In your 2014 book, Military History of New Jersey, you cover the impact of the American Civil War on the state. Please tell us about the political climate in New Jersey leading up to the war and during the war.
1: New Jersey is a northern state, but it's so close to the southern border um, that even historically before the Civil War, it is as closely tied in with the south as it was to the north. You have a state where there's business, so it's going to be more tied into the north and shipping and things like that, but also heavily agricultural, which will tie more into the south. Um, There was slavery in the state, not anywhere near the extent it was in the south, um, but also so close to the south that the Underground Railroad is going to be connected as well. Uh, There was one famous story of Harry Tubman in which he ran away to the North and a lot of these other escaped slaves who made it would often stop at Cape May, especially the Congress Hotel, Uh, even back then a big tourist destination. And they would often work in the kitchen of the Congress Hotel, and a lot of the slave owners would also vacation there, not realizing they're eating in the same restaurant where the escaped slaves are then cooking inside (laughs) of the kitchen, which could probably lead to some awkward moments, never send your food back at a restaurant, especially there. Um, But the state itself had always been heavily Democratic, um, even back to the old Jeffersonian Republic Party. Uh, at the turn of the century, the 19th century. When the Civil War really starts to start off with the election of Lincoln, it's, it's the only Northern state that votes against him twice. Um, Within the state itself, it was evenly split between supporting the North supporting the South. Uh, There was movement within the state even to secede, as there was in New York City and a few other places. Uh, But there were newspapers published that were pro-Southern, pro-Northern. The governor got voted out at one point because of this. People were arrested. Lincoln was heavily involved in uh, chasing after newspaper editors and mayors that he wasn't a, a big fan of. So it was a heavily divided state, as as was in the Revolution as well. Cool.
0: Two of your recent books tied in scientific themes with history. What inspired you to pursue this course of research and writing? Whenever
1: I taught history, I noticed that the most common answer was always disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jokingly, whenever I taught AP history, I told the students, listen, if disease is one of the answer choices, just circle it. I don't care (laughs) if you know the answer or not, just circle it. And it it did make me think, though, whenever we talked about the Native Americans and Spanish exploration, what killed off the most wasn't the Spanish, it was disease. Mm -hmm. And every other major topic that came up, disease always seemed to be the answer. And I started to look deeper and say, well, gee, does this tie into everything else as well? How come the the Constitution passed? Well, there's actually a story associated with disease with that. Um, And very quickly, I realized every major war was impacted by disease and mass casualties in every war, more likely to die of disease than a bullet, basically in any war we ever Mm -hmm. fought up until World War II. So I started looking at the smaller and smaller stories and quickly realized disease played a key role in almost anything. Um, That basically was the genesis of researching both of those works.
0: Cool. In your book, Bacteria and Bayonets, you wrote about the impact of disease on American military history. Please tell us about a disease that had a particularly devastating effect on a war.
1: The American Revolution, uh, there's a lot of mythology and myths itself sort of of surrounding the war, uh, the role of the the militia, and and obviously they're doing an amazing job uh, during the war to help us win. But disease was largely overlooked in sort of a study of that. Uh, We often teach that the the British eventually invade the South. Uh, hoping to sort of split the South away from the North. There, there, was, there was rumors of more Loyalists being down there, despite the fact most of the Loyalists were actually in Jersey, once again, at the center of being split in a war. Um, the British invade quickly overrun South Carolina and move north from there. And, and as a teacher and historian, we teach about the, the great role the guerrillas played and uh, Francis Marion and all the rest down South. But what I quickly realized is the single biggest credit uh, or uh, al- ally to ours to help win the war was actually disease. Um, smallpox, yellow fever, malaria, just ravaged the British army in the south. Uh, As Cornwallis is marching north, he wasn't doing so so much to escape from the the colonials and the the rebels and the guerrillas down there as he was from the disease, Uh, quickly realizing that he would draw his troops to the the coast and quickly bring them back to New York City as quickly as possible. Uh, This gave Washington the key moment to be able to move his troops south and the French Navy down to the Battle of the Capes to surround, uh, defeat and capture his army and essentially win the war. Um, if we say the French played a major role and the Dutch and everyone else played a major role and obviously the American soldiers did as well But without disease that war probably would have dragged on much longer uh, And the endgame wouldn't have been the endgame that actually did happen. Wow
0: In your book pestilence in the presidency You discuss the impact of disease on various presidencies throughout American history One of the chapters is entitled the first female president. Please tell us more about this interesting chapter of your book
1: Woodrow Wilson is a very interesting and controversial president. People either love him or they hate him, some, some people both. Um, the man was a very unhealthy person, uh, even growing up. Uh, we, we often tell stories about how he suffered uh, allegedly from dyslexia when he was younger, which is often then portrayed as sort of a positive, worked his way you know, through that, graduated, uh, held advanced degrees, became a professor, president of Princeton, and everything else. But um, he also apparently had a bunch of other health issues as well, suffered a number of small strokes, back when he was in his 20s and 30s. Jean uh, reported, most people don't go into the history of those too much, but when he was running for president, he was a very, very unhealthy man. And the more we study this and the more we go through the letters, this becomes obvious. Towards the end of his second term in office, second term probably shouldn't even run for in the first place, his health had been deteriorating markedly by 1916. But um, Woodrow Wilson's that type of guy, uh, strict Calvinist background, you know, he was, he was commanded by God to, you know, pursue the presidency, lead us through the war and everything else. And this was one of the big things that drove him. Um, but towards the end of his second term in office, suffers a massive stroke. He had sort of placed himself at the front of getting the Versailles Conference passed. Mm-hmm. He had hoped to sort of establish these sort of points that would not only end the war, but preserve peace forever. Um, never been a big proponent of going into the war in the first place, and once America had voted to go in, once the Senate had approved to go in, uh, Wilson largely played it off as, listen, we're in this war for two goals. We want to sort of ensure, end war forever, this will be the war to end all wars, uh, and we want to keep the world safe for democracy. And he's going to establish these 14 points to do that, the most serious of which he thought was the League of Nations. No matter if he loses on every other point, which essentially he did in the end, uh, if we can set up this League, it'll sort of solve everything else for all of eternity. Uh, When the peace conference starts, he was hoping to sort of play a role in the congressional election that year, which had almost never been done in American history before. Running for president itself was relatively new. Most presidents in the 1800s sort of stayed home, didn't really give speeches. It's not like today where you hear about presidents two or three years before giving speeches. (laughs) Most of the presidents saw that as begging for votes and sort of didn't do that. Wilson was in a new generation that actually went out and ran for president, but he also ran for Congress that year. Going out Now, the Democrats had a comfortable lead in both the House and the Senate, but it wasn't enough for him, and not all the Democrats were sort of on his side with the way he wanted to sort of pursue an end this war. So he we went out and helped these Democrats' campaign. It was a miserable failure. Republicans not only defeated the Democrats, but swept into control of both houses. Uh, Wilson then decided his next, next course of action was to go to Paris directly. He was going to go man the peace conference himself, make sure everything gets through. doesn't bring any Republicans with him as part of the peace delegation, which they saw as a massive insult. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all wearing away on his health. At this same time, Spanish influenza breaks out, um, which not only kills a few members of his delegation, but seriously sickens him. When he does come back here, he has half of a peace treaty, not everything he wanted, but he thought it was still better than nothing. Republicans were pretty bent on opposing it, as were many Democrats, especially of Irish background, German background, uh, as they felt that he had betrayed them. Wilson then goes on a sort of nationwide tour to kind of sell this thing. It has an even more uh, negative effect on his health. And sort of towards the end, about a couple months before the vote, he suddenly suffers a massive stroke. This all became a massive cover-up within the White House. Not the first time it had been done, definitely not the last time it had been done, but everything is basically covered up. The vice president's not even told for months, Wilson was never a big fan of his anyway, (laughs) Uh, and basically it was sort of a secret between the butler, the chief of staff, uh, the first lady as to what was going on, and Edith Wilson ends up sort of manning the White House. Uh, for most of the rest of his presidency, he's completely out of it, can't speak, can't talk, can't move. Um, she's bringing in bills, signing them off, saying, oh, the president's indisposed, he's in the bathroom, let me take a look at this and sign this, uh, and basically runs the White House for most of the second half of his term there, uh, at least after the signing of the peace conference. Um, some people say that this is one of the big reasons the conference or the treaty itself doesn't pass, whether it would have passed even if it was healthy or not, debatable, but it definitely didn't help the situation. Uh, the Senate ends up not approving it uh, with all these sort of amendments attached to it. We don't join the League of Nations uh, and everything else that sort of trails on after that towards World War II then can sort of be connected back to sort of Wilson's initial illness. Even with that illness, by the way, he still planned on running in 1920. Oh, wow. Helped to sabotage the campaign of his son-in-law just so he can get in there for a third term, which luckily the Democrats themselves were fed up with and never went for. But um, it did survive for a few more years afterwards.
0: Very interesting. (laughs) Are you currently conducting research for another book?
1: Um, Yes, I'm actually – I'm always working on a book. It just keeps me out of trouble more than anything
0: else. (laughs) Um,
1: But, yeah, I'm actually working on a book right now. I just finished up one on the impact of weather on warfare. Uh, What I quickly realized when I was researching the disease in warfare is that oftentimes weather was connected, not only leading sort of to disease and everything else – but um, it's interesting, sort of, of its own background and accord. You know, the famous story that when Napoleon invades Russia, it was, it was General Snow, General January, February, that defeated him. It turns out it was more typhoid and typhus than anything else, but the cold definitely did play a part. So I wanted to go back and see well, is there any other connection between sort of weather and warfare? Um, so I recently completed that one, and I'm starting one right now on sort of the role of the Republican Party in the modernization of China. Oh, cool. my, my thesis uh, when I worked on my PhD was Reagan's role in the modernization of China. Everyone studies Nixon and China, Nixon and China. But um, apart from opening China, Nixon kind of quickly abandoned them after that. But then China does have this massive modernization over the next 30 years, and I tied a lot of that back to Reagan. So then this new book I'm sort of researching now is, well, is that part of just Reagan or is this a larger thing within the party to sort of be more active in China itself?
0: Cool. Where can we go to learn more about your career and books?
1: uh amazon i think there's an author page on that um all the books have wonderful little biographies at the end of them so when, when you go out and buy them you can read my last little thing with my picture on it um that'd probably be the best way uh Kabul university I have, a, I have a page there as well so feel free to check it out or any of my works on there
0: sounds good is there anything else you'd like to say to my listeners
1: um always ask more questions this is how I get into these books don't ever accept the most basic answer for anything so when again with the students when they say oh the, the Spanish wiped out the natives no actually it was disease and there's more stories to everything uh why did the constitution pass was it just because of this reason uh, disease actually played a role in that as well and the more you explore and the more you question and the more you study the more of these sort of fashion, fascinating
0: stories you find that
1: just make history that much more interesting and relevant even to this day
0: very well said David Thank you very much for sitting down with me this afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. If you have a history event that you would like promoted on my blog and podcast, please contact me via Twitter, Facebook, or on my blog. I will be happy to promote your event free of charge. That does it for the 12th and final episode of the first season of the Matt Ward History Experience. Going forward, we will be moving to a bi-weekly podcast format called The Way in This show will focus on the sport of boxing, both past and present. The first episode will air on February 1st and will feature my interview with former super middleweight boxing contender, Frank Savannah. During his career, Frank compiled an impressive record of 15 wins, one loss, and one draw. The Matt Ward History Experience is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. Go to onestonerecording.com slash mwhistory and receive 10% off of your first session. I want to thank my guest, David Petriello, and you, the listeners. You can learn more about David's books on his Amazon author page. The link to his page is posted on my blog. You can now be like our friend, J.P. Fevera, and support the Matt Ward History Experience on Patreon. You can support us for as little as $1 a month. Your pledge will go directly towards travel expenses and studio fees. Thank you again, JP, for being a part of our team. I hope the weather in Florida is great. Last but certainly not least, I want to thank my good friend Peter Lloyd at One Stone Recording and Mastering for providing tech support for this episode. I can be reached on the blog the Matt Ward History Experience at mwhistoryexperience.com, on Twitter, at RevWarBuff23, or via my Facebook page. Please check out Season 1 of the Matt Ward History Experience on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a comment and feedback. We always love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for all of your support of the Matt Ward History Experience Podcast Season 1. I'm excited to come back in February with my new show, The Way In. Happy New Year and talk to you in February.